Welcome to episode 31 of ScareZone Halloween Horror Nights podcast. You know, it's been a couple weeks, guys, but we are excited finally to be joining you. We at Easter had a few things come up, so it's been a little while. But in the meantime, Chris, well, first let's say my good friend, the good Dr. Chris Ripley. Welcome. How you doing? Good to talk to you again. Uh, since we've been gone, news actually happened, and as usual, it happened pretty much right after we released an episode. Yep, the uh, the scare zone curse is still alive and current, and I think people now look to our show to be released, so they yes. know they can set their watches by when Universal yes. releases it's, information. It's either if we release release on a Friday, it's a little safer, but you but not necessarily, but usually by that Monday, something's happened. <laughs> yeah. So hopefully this uni- week we'll see. Well, that's it. I think Universal think well. You know, there's been no scare zone announcement. Okay, we're, we're announced some Christmas stuff about Harry Potter and, right. you know, or, or release some information about uh, the new um, third gate that they're just about to open. Yeah, so. with Volcano Bay. It's pretty awesome. I, I did actually say, and props to Mike, and I know he listens, uh, that uh, that Harry Potter announcement is pretty awesome and will totally bring me to Universal this Christmas. I'm excited. As, mm. a, as a Potter fan, it's something we've all been kind of waiting for. I'm looking forward to the exact details, you know, of when I need to put on my Yule Ball attire. But uh, overall, it looked, uh, and I'm not going to get too deep, but it, look, it looks like a pretty great, um, you know, new concept from the creative team. I'm excited. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I mean, at the end of the day is Universal are constantly pushing the boundaries of what's possible and, and really, you know, in, in being inspired, whereas... Um, you know, I don't want to get uh, turn off your uh, your mousy friends from yeah. your other podcast, yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, it's pretty much same old, same old when it comes to Disney, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, you definitely have a different turnaround time. I mean, you have, I mean, obviously, by the time you know, in a month, we'll have Avatar, and we'll see what that's like. But uh, it, it's true, it's a much faster, at least, it's a much faster. I, I like the universal model of you announce it. And then, other than the, I feel like the Mario one is the one where they're going a little, a little out there with it. But you announce it, it opens typically within the calendar year, instead of this yeah. multi-year Star Wars land. And I mean, look, I'm dying for Star Wars land; it looks amazing. And Avatar, like multi-year builds to something, and I feel like it's hard to meet those expectations. But when you tell me a King Kong attraction's coming, and then within a year it's open, my expectations are high, but they're not like absurd. And, you're, you know, no. you're not telling me there's going to be real lightsabers. And that's where I'm like, oh, how is this going to work? Well, we're not going to tell you. Well, it better be real. Like, like what do you mean? <laughs> like, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but I agree. And I, um, I'm i excited, though, for for, for, uh, for Potter. But I'm excited because we have our first house, finally. It's not like this is news to anyone who listens to this. But we have a, I know. our first house. We announced, again, it came right after the last episode, which is not a shocking one, but a very early announcement historically, at least about a couple weeks early for sure. Yeah, definitely a couple of weeks early than, I mean, last year was really, really early. So this year being a couple of years on top of that, it's even more. Um, but uh, yeah, so we've got American Horror Story. Once again. And um, that that's going to feature um, season two, Asylum, season three, Coven, and then season six, Roanoke. And I think talking to people, most people seem to be excited for season six. Yeah. Again, I'm not necessarily a viewer of this show. I think there may be some people that are excited just because – I think we talked about this back. I mean, obviously, we've been calling – you've been calling it for months. Everyone kind of just assumed Horror Story was going to return. It was almost a – it was the Krampus of last year, even The Walking Dead somewhat. It, it was talked about so early on. We kind of just knew it was going to happen. Uh, and I'm glad it's kind of out of the way. And 
which means really the next house is uh, beyond any sources you have. But for the general public, uh, it's kind of a little bit open-ended, a little bit more of a surprise, because that was sort of the one that was almost the guarantee house. And I'm excited for it. And Roanoke, at least the history of Roanoke, weirdly the brand, has Horror Nights history. Not necessarily that Roanoke, but our Roanoke. So it's kind of cool. Well, that's right. The last time they did it, everybody was pretty, uh, you know, it's a pretty good house. Yeah. So, you know, seeing that they're going to take American Horror Story sort of twist on it. I mean, I, I should imagine there'd be some sort of crossover. I imagine they'll probably recycle some bits from that house, which there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that was, it was a solid, oh, yeah. solid addition. So, you know, I, I think, um, you know, that, that on the whole will be pretty good. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I again, I'm not a viewer of this show, but walking through that house was pretty mind blowing. It was it was beautiful, giant. Some of those giant rooms, like the room I know I've, I've talked about it so many times, but just that one room in the soundstage, where you were, uh, with all of the like the carnival carts, with all the the circus, uh, you know, train mm. carts, which is like, man, they built this for a, a temporary attraction. It's absurd. So. I am genuinely excited for the return of American Horror Story. Definitely was one of my favorite houses last year. I know it won House of the Year, and um, it may not have been my favorite, but it was pretty darn close. But again, I thought last year was so, we've talked about it so many times, it was so solid overall that it was hard to complain. But um, man, I'm, I'm excited. So uh, there's probably been well, the, an announcement since uh, we've, we've last spoke. <laughs> well, this is it. The interesting thing was, you see, last year, American Horror Story didn't get announced until pretty late, late in the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and all of us, we kind of knew it was coming and we were kind of teasing it. But, you know, Universal took a very long time to officially announce that one. Whereas because we all kind of knew it was coming back, I'm kind of glad that this is the first one out of the gate um, to be told to the masses because that then kind of leaves the ground a bit open and a bit more there's a bit more anticipation in the air now because it's not you know the the list there's been leaks and there's been all these different things but nobody really knows for sure what the other seven houses are going to be right and that's uh and, and i love that like that's you're right absolutely 100 percent. and i like that they're getting ahead of the curve last year there were a lot of leaks it was very clear we knew mm. we knew uh krampus we knew uh, horror story, and I feel like there was definitely rumblings of chance. There was a lot of those things yeah. that kind of were yeah. out there. We didn't, we don't really report on them here on the show, but they're out there. People knew about them, and and it made sort of the announcements almost just confirmations. What I like mm. now is that, like you said, we we knew horror story was coming back. It was almost a guarantee. So now that it's back, now that it's confirmed, we can now move on and say, let's get excited. New announcements around the corner because. Typically, now it should start, you know, every few weeks, right? Theoretically. Well, yeah. I mean, the only thing that you know that so Universal far away still. <laughs> well, this is the problem that the thing that Universal's got on their plate at the moment, which is very different to in previous years, is they're kind of doing this media battle with Disney because they're opening up so many new things. True. That it's how much time do they dedicate to Halloween Horror Nights that isn't happening for so many months when they've got stuff opening up in the summer. Right. Uh, or even now, like Jimmy Fallon, you know, that they want to keep pushing on um, to everybody to come and see, come and do, you know. Yeah. And that's and there I have we have proof of that. And that is, you know, our friends at Universal who have been awesome to us, as you've known, with some of the great guests we've hooked up. I requested a guest and they kind of said, hey, uh, totally, you can have that guest. But we are right now solely focused on promoting Fallon. And then after that, we're going into Volcano Bay after that. You guys can can kind of have open season to what we're doing for 27. But until then, they uh, not that we won't have people on between now and then. We certainly will. We've got a great guest today. 
But mm. between then, uh, you know, you're right. They have a lot on their plate. But I guess the ho- so so why announce why announce horror story this early? I mean, that's a good question. Then when you start thinking about it, because you're right, you have Jimmy Fallon that just opened. We have Volcano Bay, a giant new opening. Uh, literally feels like it takes up half the interstate when you're driving by. Uh, I don't know what the. I'm glad they did it. Obviously, as a Horror Nights fan, but now that I start looking back on it, I'm kind of like, well, is it just kind of to sweep that one under the rug? Was it just so they start um, having something to promote to the international guests? I, well, maybe. I mean, it's a very recognizable brand. It's incredibly popular. Yeah. I mean, the the problem is, I, I imagine that the the PR department is a bit like um, the House of Cards office. You know, where he's had all the right. names on the board. You know, yeah. so in their office, they've got all of the houses of Halloween Horror Nights. They've got you know all of the stuff to do with Volcano Bay, and then they have got the Jimmy Fallon, and they got the Harry Potter Christmas stuff, and all the new things they're going to do in in the fall. So I imagine they're sort of moving all these tiles around and just trying to fit in different you know weekdays where they can sort of release all. This yeah, stuff. for sure. Well, we'll see. Well, okay, let's let's move on. We talked about this about 10 minutes, and we'll have some more at the end of this. But unfortunately, I wasn't able to record this guest, and that's because it was a holiday here, and I was dealing with that. I had the family and, and so on. You know, there are other responsibilities other than podcasting. My wife likes to make sure I know that uh, on my 20 shows that I do. But this one um, was one that I was you know, particularly bummed not to be able to be a part of. Because my wife and actually have a great history with this guest. And uh, why don't you... Really? You said not great history. I will say the first Horror Nights that I ever took her to, which you met oh. my wife last year. She wasn't... Yeah. She's not the biggest Horror Nights fan. Uh, but there was a couple things that she specifically loved when we went the first year. That was 2007, oh. I believe, we went together Ooh. the first year. And that was the oh. Carnival of Carnage year, I believe. Uh, great year. She loved... I mean, that's when she fell in love with Jack. Fell in love with that whole... I mean, she, she loved it. She thought that was the best... Uh, but she also loved the fact that so we had the Jack show, we had uh, Bill and Ted, but also another show, which was one of the things I obviously really enjoyed too and wish there was a little bit more of. Uh, and why don't you now, I mean, people know they've seen the title of the show. Why don't you set up this guest for us? Well, um, as you say, you were out of town and I was sitting in the London office and Boston White, a.k.a. my good friend Amanda, well, our good friend Amanda. Yeah, of course. Uh, was was around and I said to Amanda, look, I've got to talk to Brian Brushwood. So I said, let's, you know, let's interview him. So for those that obviously don't know or those that do, uh, Brian has been at Halloween Horror Nights in Orlando three times now. He was, as you just rightly said, in 2007, where they kind of tested the waters with doing some sort of sideshow magic acts. And then he was sort of centerpiece. He had his own show in 2008. And I think uh, in 2010 or 2011, he had his own sh- his second show there. Yeah, I, I believe you're right. And, and I've been to the sideshow act. And I've been to the full on stage show. And it was mm. a lot of fun. Like it was just a unique thing to have at Horror Nights, which I guess now they sort of when they moved on. They did this last year with the Academy of Horrors in a similar kind of vein. But that really took a place of what would have been. Uh, the chance show, if you will. This was like an another edition, and it was at in. He would do them like in the big, like in the Pets Theater, right, or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that that's all the the old Beetlejuice. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I mean, it's been God, a decade, but I just remember sitting in a theater and watching it. And uh, man, I, I'm bummed that I missed this one, but I'm excited to hear your interview with you and Amanda did. And uh, Amanda's on your podcast, your other podcast that you're on on. Uh, well, I guess you guys have a couple podcasts, right? Diz and Universal After Dark. Uh, yeah, Diz After Dark and Universal After Dark, yeah, where we try and bring you some sort of drunken misbehavior while talking about um, 
Disney or, or uh, indeed Universal. So. Yeah, so that's uh, you know good friends there, and uh, some we've been happy to. Uh, we we supported last year. We were sponsor for last year, so hopefully you heard about them, and hopefully a lot of you heard about us there. So we appreciate that. Uh, well, let's go on. Let's take an interview with uh, magician. If you guys don't know, we probably should clear that a, a full on amazing magician, uh, Brian Brushwood. Uh, made it happen to where I was part of the rotating cast in 2007, and that uh, eventually they invited me back a couple more times. It was fantastic. That's amazing. But was there anything where, because I've, I've seen things that you do, I saw the needle in your eyes, and I saw your human straw, where you fill a container with all kinds of random liquids, and then you put the tube through your nose and out through your mouth. Like, that's, that's pretty freaky stuff. Was yeah. anything where Universal were like, like no, 100%, you're not doing that? <laughs> there, it, was, it was a close call, but uh, in 2008, I had a, maybe, yeah, maybe 2010. No, 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 2008. Uh, I had pitched them this idea <laughs> of uh, of um, the, uh, <laughs> the, the conceit was going to be that I was going to try to do a straitjacket escape in... Uh, under two minutes and uh, and that uh, the stakes were going to be that uh, uh, we would see on video a bunch of uh, puppies on camera and uh, and then we they, they were all nestled together in the uh, a, a, a what do you call it a catapult and uh, that I was going to barely make it out just in time only the the what I wanted to do is just <laughs> is like make it a second later and then just have the bit end with what looks like a catapult just flinging puppies off stage. Oh, wow. <laughs> that, 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 there was internal negotiations and discussions, and ultimately it came back like, yeah, you're not going to fling puppies to their death. <laughs> well, they would have been pretend puppies. It would have been all right. Yeah, correct, correct, right? It's like a, uh, the idea was is um, we would have what looked like a live camera, you know, show them and they would clearly be puppies on the on on the screen. But of course, the audience would be too far away to see that what was actually being flung were, you know, uh, very realistic stuffed puppies. Uh, but uh, did not happen. I still love that idea, though. It's interesting where Universal draw the line, because like last year we had to push our way through mattresses covered in fake vomit to get through one house. So. Yeah. You know, <laughs> well, I, I think uh, I think there are certain things I, you start to get an intuitive understanding after after a while, like uh, uh, blameless victims uh, are a harder thing. You know, humans dying. That's that's what this is all about. Right. The undead and, you know, monsters getting slaughtered. That's fine. But but something that is blameless, like a child or a, or a, or a puppy or something like that. I think that's the uh, that that's a trigger. I think it depends on the child. <laughs> yeah, if you're a parent, then you probably anything goes, right? <laughs> yeah. Squish them all. Exactly, exactly. So, was there any other sort of behind the scenes stories about the sort of how these shows came together? Yeah, dude. Uh, so, <laughs> this was in so many ways for me a luxury gig because, uh, by which I mean, um, uh, you know, when you're on tour going to different colleges, it's this brutal grind where you live in these four hour blocks. It's like, you know, you wrap up the show, you get a four hour nap, then you got to get on an airplane to go to another gig. And then you got to set up that gig, do the gig, wrap it up and do it all over again. Whereas this was like uh, astonishing. In 2008, we rented a, a, a house for three for three months. And it was it was amazing. I got to I got to be there. I got to have what felt for the first time in my professional career, a nine to five job where it's like, I saw the family every single day and stuff. And so, uh, uh, like Icarus, I of course tried to fly too close to the sun. 
fun and decided that it should be even more fun. So I tricked out. <laughs> I had I had an old 2006. Uh, uh, I guess it was an old at the time. Uh, Chrysler Pacifica, which is like a uh, a uh, SUV crossover kind of thing, and uh, and so I put a 37 inch uh, high definition television in there, uh, an amp uh, speakers, and a complete setup for Rock Band uh, in there. And so and so I would pull up the car there, and so I would go out through the 15 20 minute show. And then, uh, and then come out, and then just open up the back, and then everybody, all the all the characters on break would all collect over, and so you'd have you'd have blood covered monsters playing drums and guitar and singing uh, uh, Suffragette City and all this stuff. It was it was a blast, man. That sounds like the best time ever. The uh, the other thing, <laughs> and uh, you know, because I because I love Halloween Horror Nights. Uh, every time that there was an opportunity, I would go do uh, all of all of the uh, houses. But but enough of them knew who I was that I started to get personalized scares, where it's like everybody knew, like, oh man, I want to get Brian good. And so uh, you know, I, there's nothing better than getting the heebie-jeebies and just freaking out, and you know that adrenaline rush. But at one point, uh, there was somebody who uh, emerged from behind and just whispered, Brushwood. <laughs> and, you know, I was like, I was like, whoa, over the line, over the line. <laughs> That's amazing. Was that the Freddy house in 2007 by any chance? Uh, two, I, you know what? It was the one right next to Animal Actors Stage. I, I want to say it was it was vaguely uh, renaissance kind of uh, uh, fantasy themed. Um, it's, it's hard for me to remember the names that, you know, from almost a decade ago, but yeah. Mm. Oh, wow. So had you been a, a fan of Halloween Horror Nights before you were asked to appear at the, uh, the event? I've been a fan of, 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 you know, of, of scare houses in general, but I, I hadn't known just how deep the culture of Halloween Horror Nights had, had, had gone, uh, you know, in both with this this constant uh, chess game between uh, the fans like you guys and the brass on the inside. You know, they, of course, want to keep stuff secret so that they can get the biggest surprises and get the, the, the best reviews from you guys. And uh, as a result, there's a lot of very, you know, they take it very, very seriously, the, uh, the keeping secrets uh, behind the curtain. And uh, there was a bit of a, um, uh, a, a bit of an orientation I had to go through uh, to make that happen. Really? What, what was that? Well, I mean, you know, basically just, you know, like uh, it, it, it's not rocket science. They're basically like, hey, man, uh, what we you know, one of the biggest things that we provide is a surprise. And the only way we have surprise is if oh, we're really good at not letting behind the scenes stuff leak out. And, you know, uh, the first year and I, I was not a known quantity at the time. So they had me on uh, a little bit of a leash in terms of like, uh, hey, you know, we want to approve all of your media interviews or whatever. But by 2010, it's a very different world. Social media had exploded and they understood that publicity is a good thing. And, and so we were able to do uh, a lot of fun stuff like uh, actual live streams uh, where we interviewed uh, the people behind the scenes and, and they were able to, to hint at one, some of the awesome stuff that was coming out. Um, it, it was great. Uh, it was a great, great experience. And I, I got to tell you, man, I would love to do it again. So you're not coming this year then? Uh, uh, you know, it's funny as I want to play coy, uh, uh, as far as I know, I'm kidding. How about that? Oh, okay. okay. So you talked about how you got, got into magic earlier, but when did you decide that you weren't going to do just the, the regular kind of magic? You were going to do this bizarre kind of magic, uh, pretty early on because as I was 
learning magic. Uh, I, I saw the Jim Rose Circus Sideshow at Lollapalooza in 1992 when I was in high school. And there, I had never seen anything like it. It was so punk rock, so raw, uh, and this energy was, was insane. And knowing a little bit about magic, I was able to say like, okay, well, yeah, no, these are all freakish effects they're doing, but, but this one is a straight-up magic trick. Wait, that one's a straight-up magic trick as well. And there was something about the idea of blending, uh, again, in this chess game, you know, some of what I do is totally real, some of what I do is totally fake, and the audience kind of constantly guessing which is which was so uh, attractive to me. Uh, but, unfortunately, most of the ideas I had were just, you know, shabby Penn and Teller knockoffs. So one day I, uh, I reached out to Teller on his email, and I was just, in, in one of those fits of emotion that only a college kid can have, I wrote him, like, uh, uh, basically writing an email saying, like, thanks, jerk, because you guys got there first. I'll never be able to do the kind of magic I want without looking like a ripoff. So if you have any advice, let me know. And much to my delight and surprise, Teller wrote back a four-and-a-half-page essay that has eventually become the blueprint of how I built the stage show ever since then. In fact, it's uh, if you search Brian Brushwood Teller letter, you'll uh, it's really worth a read. I think you guys will like it a lot. But uh, one of the ideas that, that came to me is that um, at one point Teller wrote in an article that good art rarely comes from love. It usually comes from hate. And I thought, well, you know, what does that mean? And I realized that, wait a minute, if you, if you just uh, use stuff you love as your inspiration, the best your art will be is a pale imitation of whatever it is you love. So it's like I was thinking in terms of like, well, I love Penn and Teller. And then I would start to, you know, write stuff and it would just be bad versions of Penn and Teller stuff. And he says, what if you tried something different? What is everything you hate about magic? And so, it, you know, it just figure out what you hate about magic and do the exact opposite. Now you've created something that's uniquely you, that's good art, that, that, that nobody else can, uh, has already done. And so, you know, it thought about, you know, it's like, okay, the, the random misogyny, the, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the cheesy purple sequined vest, the played out old music and all that stuff. Uh, and, you know, the idea of using themes of pain and anxiety and discomfort uh, eventually kind of became the underlying uh, ballast that kept the show afloat. That's fantastic. And it shows, it shows in what you do. I mean, one of the things that you did was put in a skewer through, or making the audience believe that you were putting a skewer through your tongue. It, it was fantastic. It was yeah, I got to tell you, I think that is my favorite uh, ploy in the show because uh, when you tour for colleges, you're doing a lot, you're performing magic at an age, uh, you know, around 20 when, when magic is not very cool. Most people think of magic, they think of kids' birthday parties and that kind of stuff. And so uh, th there's a bit of an audition to it. You, you are going into an audience who doesn't know who you are, doesn't know that they can really trust you to take them on a wild ride. So as a result, the full stage show, everything I do is totally real in the beginning. I really do eat fire. I really do shove the tube up my nose for the human crazy straw. I really do do the human blockhead. And so finally, like 15 minutes into the episode, uh, the skewer through tongue is the first magic trick. But because everything I've done up until then is so obviously real, that moment that I shove the skewer through my tongue uh, people think like, well, I guess that's real too because everything else has been real. And they're like, the guy's a weirdo. And then it's not <laughs> until I'm I'm cutting off my tongue and blood is flying everywhere that people realize, well, oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, that's right. It's a magic show. That's right. And hopefully right. they're along for the ride by then. 
you but you can see it in them you can see how how anxious they are and you're sat there thinking as it has he got his tongue pierced and he's just putting the skewer through that hole? Is is that what's going on? But then when you get the scissors out and you start cutting your tongue I, I'm off, so like, glad that, I'm so glad that you picked up on it because I realized that early on that the only way that bit works is if it's very clear that the person on stage 100% believes they're watching me shove a skewer through my tongue. And uh, the only way that's possible is that uh, I had to come up with some next level fake tongues. And so, uh, in fact, you can actually, if you type in Brian Brushwood fake tongues, uh, you can see how I make them. But I oh, had you to- you them yourself? Yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, we, had to, we had to take a dental cast. Uh, that's actually my wife's tongue because my tongue <laughs> is too big and fat. Uh, so uh, we took a dental cast uh, with Algitech uh, of my wife's tongue and then you create what's called a stone positive where it's uh, basically a stone version of the tongue with complete with every single uh, bump and and uh, uh, taste bud on there, then uh, then you have to create the right mixture of hard bloom gelatin. When you see on uh, uh, MythBusters, whenever they were shooting stuff, they'd use ballistic gel. That's that's gelatin because it mimics the the uh, basically a fleshy uh, thickness and feel. And so from there, uh, I had to do the right amount of coloring. And then uh, uh, before every performance, you know, I tape a blood capsule on there. But then I also uh, use a bit of, of makeup to dust because your your actual tongue is not all one color. You got the kind of whitish in the middle and, and reddish on the side. So I have to individually make those up. Uh, but the end result is just this exquisite, super realistic tongue. Everybody believes it's really my tongue when I jab the knife through it or the skewer. And then uh, the, it's not like I said, you know, when the blood starts flying and the tongue is getting cut off, you get some really good reactions. So Brian, you're selling magic. You've got different shows on the go. You've got your TV shows. You've got your podcasts. I mean, I mean, for for our audience, I mean, uh, you've got a hell of a lot of stuff going on. Um, so, what are you up to at the moment? Uh, I'll tell you what. Out of everything I'm doing right now, uh, there's nothing I'm more proud of than the Modern Rogue. Uh, you know, Jason Murphy and I did hacking the system for National Geographic. We did two specials and a full season of the show. And uh, once we realized like, oh, wait, they're not calling us for season two, there was kind of this giddy excitement because so much of the stuff we wanted to do on that show was too dangerous, too irresponsible, too, too much. And, uh, and we realized, oh, wait, we could just do all that stuff now. And so we created a, you know, the new series, The Modern Rogue. If you go to YouTube.com slash Modern Rogue, uh, the conceit is simple. Uh, if Houdini, Han Solo and James Bond had a baby, it would be <laughs> the, the Modern Rogue. Uh, the modern rogue would know everything from how to talk his way past the velvet rope, get the girl's phone number, hotwire a car, uh, uh, pick locks, blow stuff up with homemade chemicals. And as a matter of fact, as as we're talking right now, I, I'm, I'm looking at uh, the YouTube page. It looks like it just uh, finished uploading. We went to a, a, a jujitsu club and learned how to uh, uh, turn a block a haymaker and turn it into a takedown. And we learned how to choke each other out and stuff. It's it's <laughs> wild. Wow. It's so much fun. That sounds like my kind of program. <laughs> yeah, I think you guys will dig it. I've also got to say a personal thank you to you, actually, because back last spring, I did my back in. I slipped a, a couple of discs and couldn't walk. And all I had was my laptop. And I ended up finishing off one of my books. But I also watched uh, one of your scam school videos about how to count cards. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and oh. I won't go into details, but I watched it about 100 times. I was going to Vegas <laughs> that fall. 
and I managed to leave Vegas $1,500 up. So Holy cow, yeah. congratulations. Yeah, so thank you for that. <laughs> It does, you know, when you're when you're uh, obviously at the high roller tables, they they have less tolerance for people who are are playing that effectively. Mm. Uh, but uh, but uh, at the lower stakes tables, you can get away like they, they most people are so bad at counting cards. You could pretty obviously be counting them and they kind of don't care. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you get a bit of banter with the um, croupiers that kind of make fun of counting cards, don't they kind of do it themselves, but in a joking way. Sure, sure. That's great, though. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you for that. So, <laughs> I love everything about that. Yeah, so... I'm just making a note to myself to watch this video. I want to say, yeah, I want to say which casino it was, but let's just say there's been a few hangovers in that casino. Um, oh. <laughs> so, so, Brian, uh, talk to you just, just briefly about your podcast because you, you've got quite a few shows on the go. So, a lot of our listeners, you know, they're always looking out for new podcasts. So, we talk, you know, we'd like yeah, to. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if, uh, there's, um, uh, two, two YouTube properties that, uh, you know, scam school, we teach, you know, how to, how to win the free beer, get the girl and, uh, be the most interesting person at the bar. Uh, modern rogue is, is a bigger, wider scope about, uh, you know, how to be essentially a real life superhero, become the A team or whatever. Uh, then, uh, if you're just looking for a laugh night attack every Tuesday night, me and my friend, Justin Robert Young come up with a, with a harebrained scheme or a, or a crazy, uh, I don't know, game that we're trying to, to, Figure out, um, we uh, uh, hopefully will make you laugh. Uh, if you're interested in cutting the cord and getting all your content just through Hulu, Netflix, and Amazon Prime, then you probably want to check out Cord Killers. And if you want to listen to three guys who don't believe in Sasquatch but think he's awesome, awesome, uh, then check us out at Weird Things, weirdthings.com. Oh, that sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah, that, that one's a lot of fun. Brilliant. <laughs> Thank you for coming on Scare Zone, Brian. Absolutely, man. Uh, have me back anytime. I love you guys. All right. Thanks to Amanda and obviously Chris. Thank you for for uh, filling, uh, having someone fill my shoes. And and I have a feeling, uh, knowing Amanda, she could probably fit her entire self into my shoes. Uh, but uh, that was awesome, and we're thrilled to uh, have him on. And I'm excited to hopefully see maybe if there's ever somewhat in the future for for something like that, even if not him. I would like more of those elements. You know, I, I think we focus a lot on the houses, and I think the majority of the people that go focus on the houses and the scare zones, but I would love to see more like that. Well, Brian, Brian uh, told me prior to the recording that he's actually a huge fan of Halloween Horror Nights. That's awesome. Um, and that uh, to be asked to come down to perform was, you know, it, it's, it's on his CV. It's one of, one, you know, one of many uh, achievements, really, that he's very proud to, to discuss. So he was more than happy to come on and talk about it. Well, that's awesome. And uh, hopefully one day we'll get to do something with him or see some more stuff. I did want to touch on, and I forgot about this, but our friend, who's a friend, definitely a friend of the show, and is a uh, a big part of Horror Nights, really, and it's Darren Perks, who you may know from his company and really what he does, which is right now creating dynamic designs, and he wants to come on the show. We'll have him on soon. But um, did you see the crazy, awesome, like, Jack Bust yeah, they've created, yeah. and uh, I talked to Darren about it, and uh, James Keaton I talked to about, and they both love it. I, want, I encourage you guys just to take a look at it. It's a work in progress right now, but they're releasing. He told me I could talk about it here. A whole line of Jack, and, and really icon inspired merchandise that's going to be in the Williams of Hollywood store. Uh, wow. Limited edition stuff. He's gotten the full license, I believe, to do any of the icons, and they started with this 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 version of jack that you haven't really seen before it's not too scary it's uh it is still kind of kind of creepy but it, it's him in like a suit and a bow tie and kind of shorter hair 
I love this. It's been the one piece so far that my wife is like, yes, buy that. We can put that in the house. <laughs> uh, because most of the stuff, she's like, no, no way. And, no. and look, and, and look, I'm not even the person that buys that kind of collectible. Like, I'm not a hardcore. Like, if, it, if it's blood splattered, that's probably not going to go I, in my house. I, I own the Bloody Mary jewelry box. That's cool. And the wife will not let me display it. <laughs> <laughs> I have... Uh, I have a, 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 I have a, I have a lot of cups and things. I don't have a whole lot of really great, you know, merchandise. So this is one of the few. And I told Darren this that I was genuinely excited mm. that they're they're letting him create merchandise. And these are going to be limited edition, fairly expensive items. Um, and some will, some won't be, but this specific one will be. Uh, that is that aren't hardcore just to the horror fan. These are fans for like us who are just horror nights fans. So I'm excited yep. about it. I told James he has to sign mine. Hopefully there's something <laughs> more that happens there. Uh, I'm totally getting one. He did say though. Also hit him up, and he's in the Halloween Horror Nights Facebook group too. And, and all love to those guys. Always been awesome for us. Uh, go and uh, go to it. And uh, what you need to do is he asks for for any suggestions because he has this license to do. So wow. much with these characters, and he doesn't really know where else to go. Jack obviously is the easy first start. Everyone loves Jack. No one's going to say no to a Jack uh, amazing bust that's just beautiful. No one's going to say no to a Jack piece of merchandise. But he's like, I'm not sure which where we should go here. Should we go caretaker? Should we go director? Should we go you know, chance? What should we do? Uh, he wants your feedback too. So go hit up Darren and go. You'll find it on the uh, like I said. I'll share it on our, our page, but also you can find it on the Horror Nights group. Uh, but I love this piece, man. I. I've never been a big advocate of Horror Nights merchandise because there's just not as much stuff as I would like um, as an as an adult married man. Uh, and this is one of those few pieces that I'm like, I'm all in. I love it. Well, the not last year, uh, but the year before, 25, yeah. they did two um, different props that you could buy. Uh, they did it in sort of limited numbers. One was like a jack appearing from a jack-in-the-box. Right. Um, that was like a resin sculpture, a bit, a bit like the, the bust that, that you're, you're talking about. Um, and they also did one, which is the um, uh, fear from 2010, the, uh, the oh, pegs, yeah. like the daggers. Yeah. Things, um, in a sort of uh, case that was a presentation box. And uh, speaking to Universal, those two items sold out and then yeah. they had to uh, literally they had to take back orders. Yeah. And then the people that uh, put their name down and paid for them, uh, you had to pay for them up front, um, were then posted ones they'd made especially for them about three or four months later. Yeah. So they were incredibly popular. And that seems to be like, I think this Jack is going to be in the store, um, the store, in the store uh, in a few months, like or even even sooner. So keep an eye out for that. And we'll keep you updated on that too, because I know Darren wants to reach out to the Horror Nights community and talk to you. And his son is the sculptor on it, and he did an amazing Ooh. job. Um, wow. And uh, I, I maybe gushed a little too much over it to him. I was like, dude, this is just phenomenal. I love it. And it wasn't even, I, I talked to James, like it wasn't done from a cast or anything. Like he free sculpted it and it looks like wow. it's his face. Like they nailed they, it. Um, yeah, They are so talented, those guys. I mean, you can see why Universal employs them to get a lot of their props. And Yeah, I was about pieces. to say that beyond merchandise, what is their what is their role? We'll get them on eventually. But uh, what's their role within it? Because he's even, he, they're even, I think, still like, a lot of the stuff you see for sale at Williams of Hollywood that was Horror Nights related comes from them. It does, yeah. I mean, for example, he was heavily involved with the Exorcist house. I mean, a lot yeah. of those Reagans and and things like that were sculptured by by his company. So that's very cool. I'm 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 genuinely thrilled with this, and I and I like the way this stuff is moving. It makes me excited. Well, Chris, I feel like we've we've conquered the world today. Uh, <laughs> we are going to have on a cool. You know, I've gotten some feedback, and you guys have said, hey. 
Your show is called Scare Zone. But you know how much content you gave to the Scare Zones of Halloween Horror Nights 26? Pretty much nothing. And you know what? You're right. And I feel bad about that because there were some great, great Scare Zones. I think we went through it. We're like, we like that one. We don't like that one. We like this one. Um, but we haven't sat down or really talked about any of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And some of that is because uh, I don't think there's any problem with it. If it's a current Universal employee, we have to go through Universal, and that's fine. But sometimes that's not as easy as it sounds because you have to have someone who is you know official spokesperson and they are you know the, they can work out to do it's not just hey I'd like this person on you get them so sometimes you have to wait until someone is no longer working with Universal and that's what we have and we have a cool guest coming up uh, if not the next so episode next few uh, who is one of the guys who helped lead one of the teams uh, for one of the scare zones we'll dive deep soon into the scare zones of 26 and I guarantee you I would now be I'm almost willing to bet now Chris that by the next time you hear our voices there's at least been some kind of announcement. I would, yeah, if I was a, a gambling man, I would say, and I'd hope that the curse continues. That's the thing, it's like, by now, you guys know. Right. I have no indication of that being true. No one's called or told me that. This is just purely based on our track record, uh, yeah. and it's great. It's probably, honestly, I have to say, the Scare Zone curse is probably my favorite thing that's ever happened in our podcast, of any of my podcasts, because it's just so funny, and I love that every time an announcement comes, I just get a deluge of tweets <laughs> that are just like, you did it again. It's my favorite thing. <laughs> uh, so it's awesome. I uh, And only in my dreams are they actually you know, doing it intentionally. But you know, we've had unconfirmed reports, so I'm just going to leave it at that. All right. Exactly. All right, Chris. Well, uh, I, I, I look forward to seeing you, man, in a, in a few months uh, for Horror Nights. We're what, about halfway there? We're about halfway there. Yeah, not long. I mean, I can do um, ADRs with the uh, with the other lot, so it Jeez. must be must be over six months now. So under six under, months. Wait, yeah, because we're in the end of April. It starts in early September this year. Yeah, yeah. So five months or so away. So that's pretty. That's pretty crazy. We're only five months away from Halloween Horror Nights twenty seven. Time to get excited. The show. We're back. We can't wait to uh, keep sharing the news and talk to you guys more about the history and the present, and the future of Halloween Horror Nights. Well, that being said, I did want to say Chris's books, obviously, are readily available. And the new book, the new Horror Nights book, I've, I've heard some things that are going to be in it. Pretty rad. Uh, what, what's an update on that? When can people look for, to getting the guide for, for uh, this year? I'm being told, hopefully, um, in the month of May. Okay, so very soon. Yeah. There's a good chance, hey, when you're listening to this, if you listen a few weeks behind, then it may be out. So we'll put it up on the website when it is. Uh, obviously, his Psycho's book is available now. I picked up my copy just a few weeks ago. Nice, light, disgusting read uh, through, <laughs> through, through the airport. I haven't fully you know, gotten all the way in because you have to stop for a moment and be like, okay, can I just read about, the, can I just read about the movie? <laughs> like, do I have to do it? Is this really necessary, Chris? Uh, but if you really want to dive deep into Hitchcock, and not even Hitchcock, but just the history of Psycho, really, and the whole franchise, very cool read and you know other stuff available, Universal Monsters and in the last year's Halloween Horror Nights Guide. But uh, as for me, I am uh, – we obviously, you still have the T-shirts you can get on ScareZone.com. We're going to work out some new T-shirts for 2017, um, working on some great concepts, and I'm sure we'll have those out. But the, the ones are still there. You get your See You at Finnegan shirts. You can get your ScareZone logo tees and the Pod Cruise. I hate to not mention that. Hey, for those who are interested, I'm just going to say this. The Pod Cruise, you haven't heard about it, March 7th through 10th of next year. The deal I have is we have a blocked-off set of rooms. And we have uh, just a few more weeks where those rooms are held, and they're held for that price. So it's a really it's about five hundred bucks a person uh, for a three night cruise, Norwegian epic. Uh, it's it's awesome, and it's 
You're going to love it. We're going to blast it with us from ScareZone. you got the BLT crew, which is me and Bart, and hopefully, Tim, we're working on that. Uh, the guys from the podcast, you've heard Will on here. So they'll be our whiskey, our drinking buddies on the on the cruise. A um, lot of other fun people that are going to be there and people you've heard on this show and some people we can't even talk about yet that probably are going to be on there. But for as for now, you only have about two, three weeks, maybe yeah, under a month for sure, to get the rate that's at right now. It's $50 deposit. That's all it is. Fully refundable. Fully refundable. So just save your room. If you feel like you may go, save your room right now. And it helps us also because it tells Norwegian like that it's legit. It's happening. And we're going to be doing this. A lot of people are booking. So this is kind of, kind of one of your last chances to reserve your rate, which is this really discounted rate with all your drinks included. Yes, you heard me right. You guys have been used to be spending $20 a drink at Halloween Horror Nights. All your drinks included. Uh, that's at podcruise.com. And I'll put it in our show notes. Um, and I'll put Chris's books as well. And we're going to have Scott back. Scott is not off the show, but he is a busy man in his job at the WWE. And he'll return, I'm sure, a little bit closer to Horror Nights uh, 27. I haven't heard he uh, may have uh, shared a WrestleMania box with a uh, with a certain Horror Nights icon. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Maybe he'll, he'll tell us that one day. Uh, <laughs> so we'll leave it at that. All right. Well, until next time, Chris, I've had fun today. You've had fun. Amanda seemed to have fun. She did. So I'm excited to have other voices on here as well. So until next time, as always, keep your eyes closed, your ears open, and we'll see you at Finnegan's.